Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A trailblazer for women's sport, Ireland's first female boxer and world featherweight champion, Deirdre Gogarty, is a hugely important sporting figure. A woman whose grit and determination to reach the top is truly inspiring. Yet, if I was to say the name Deirdre Gogarty to you, many of you would most likely know next to nothing about this incredible woman and her achievements. But that is all going to change because the Deirdre Gogarty Legacy Committee, spearheaded by a passionate man from Monaster Boys, Kieran MacGyver, they are working hard to make sure that the people of Ireland celebrate and commemorate this remarkable lady. The committee are currently fundraising to erect a statue of Deirdre in her hometown of Drogheda and as part of their efforts on May 19th, Deirdre Gogarty will take to the stage at the Crescent Concert Hall and share her story. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity to catch up with Deirdre, who now lives in Louisiana. We discussed her road to glory, the huge challenges she faced on the way and her homecoming later this month. I started off by asking her why boxing? What was the appeal? Well, that's a very interesting question. And um, I mean, all I can say is that I just seem to have been born with this love of boxing. It just seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, I have no family members. I didn't know anybody that was even interested in boxing or like boxing. Um, I just remember seeing a clip of Jack Dempsey and it totally captivated me. And after that, I got a little punch bag and started pummeling away. And I believe that you had to keep that punch bag a secret. You went to great lengths to keep it a secret from your parents. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, Well, I just felt, you know, I was told that young ladies don't hit things and my parents worked very hard to make, you know, good, respectable, ladylike daughters. And um, I was not going <laughs> down that uh, predictable path. So, you know, I definitely felt it was something I didn't want to expose to people. I didn't want to feel um, criticized or judged or any of that business. And I hung it in my cupboard and that's where I went in and would hit it. And I believe as well, you mentioned Jack Dempsey and that and that documentary. But really, would you say that, you know, when you saw your your big hero, Barry McGuigan, when you saw him fight, you know, was that the pivotal moment when you thought, OK, I really want to do this. I'm going to start taking this seriously. Oh, definitely. Yeah. When I saw him win that world title, I mean, it went from, you know, I really like boxing till I'm madly, insanely in love with boxing. And because he was a household name and it was more acceptable to be kind of talk about and be knowledgeable about boxing because of him. So I was able to kind of um, express myself with it a little bit more. However, it still took me two more years to build up enough courage to actually approach the boxing club. And and that's exactly what you did do. But you, you kind of started to hang around the boxing clubs, you know, your your parents and, and your coaches. They they assumed you were sort of there for, for a different reason initially, didn't they? 
<laughs> yes, well, um, you know, I, at first it was assumed I was there to check out the boys, and um, you know, <laughs> and uh, so you know, it took um, a lot of time to for me to kind of build up the courage to approach the Drogheda Boxing Club, and but I'd studied it for a long time from my father's waiting room lin- window uh, across Wellington Key, and. The moment came where I got enough courage up and I said, I'm just going to approach and do my darndest to get in that place. And, and you know, as you mentioned there, your your father's dental practice, you know, it was kind of serendipitous in a way that he moved to Wellington Key, wasn't it? Because but prior to that, he hadn't oh, been there. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, it was definitely. When I look back on it all, it was all it was all planned out exactly how it was supposed to happen. And yeah. all I had to do was just keep following, you know, the next right move. And and that's exactly what you did. And, you know, look, back in 1980s Ireland, I mean, not only was it uncommon to see women boxing, but it was illegal. I mean, that to me, when I say it out loud and it happened right up until until the 90s, it was still so, so recent. I mean, you know. I can't wrap my head around that part of it. That's the one thing that's really kind of resonated with me. I mean, this must have presented, you know, not only challenges, but awful discrimination. Can you give us a bit of perspective about that? Like, what would the reaction have been when you walked in there to train amongst all these men? Um, Well, I think at first people just didn't know what to make of me. You know, uh, they didn't really understand what my motives were, you know, how long I'd be kind of hanging around. And um, I think it was just a lot of um, both curiosity and suspicion and intrigue and kind of all mixed together. Um, But I will say I was pretty much actively discouraged at every turn. Mm. And like that was really from, you know, uh, like people that were in the club, uh, kind of people that were in that world as well as sort of your parents, that kind of thing as well. Uh, well, it wasn't so much people in the club. They they came around to kind of accepting me a little mm. sooner, but it was more uh, friends, family that didn't understand the draw of boxing and why I would choose boxing and then the upper uh, people in boxing that didn't want to kind of be inconvenienced by women wanting to join. Um, so I would say it was, it was, uh, I was actively cur- discouraged not only from people at the top of boxing, but also people closest to me, which, you know, they thought at the time had my best interests at heart by kind of saying, you know, put your time and effort into something with a future. Yeah. And I mean, I know that you went on to, to study and I believe I actually discovered this today. I believe you got a job with an animation company who were working on the uh, Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Did that for two and a half years in Dublin. Yeah, that was one of my first jobs. Very. So, yeah, <laughs> that's, what, that's what paid the bills. <laughs> it wasn't boxing. <laughs> I, I know it took you well a long long time before any you know so any any sort of money for, from boxing and even at the top I know there was there was a lot of difficulties there but before I get to that um 
I just saw something as well today and I wondered because I am a massive, massive fan of this movie. And I know that there's a few different websites that say that this could be uh, based on your life, but I have to hear it from the horse's mouth. I'm talking about the movie Million Dollar Baby by Clint Eastwood starring Hilary Swank. I mean, it is to me after learning so much about you now, you know, this seems like this is your story. Was your story the inspiration for this movie or is that a complete rumour? Uh, well, we, we think it probably was. And the reason my manager felt so strongly about that is because the writer whose real name was Jerry Boyd, he met with Bo at one of the fights, one of my fights in Vegas, and he really was interested in me. And he was asking Bo a lot of questions about me. And, uh, you know, nobody knew he was writing at the time. And, uh, you know, Bo just knew him from boxing circles and was friendly with him. And, you know, he told him, of course, Bo was always promoting me and talking about me and sharing my story. And um, he was one of my, you know, big enthusiasts of, of my whole story of coming from Ireland. So that was really interesting to uh, Boyd. And um, when we watched the movie, it was eerie how similar so many parts of it were. Other than the girl's background in the story, it's almost the parallel oh it really is yeah apart from that bit I mean it's it's more her determination uh and of course Clint Eastwood not wanting to take on a girl was kind of the way it was with yourself and Bo before I talk to you about Bo though take me back to 1991 because this was your first and only fight was it would I be right in saying that in Ireland out the back of a pub in the pouring rain in Limerick (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) It sure was. If only I'd known at the time, it would be the only time I ever fought in Ireland. You know, I really thought we'd go out there and put on a great show. And I thought people would say, well, why aren't there women boxing? Well, you know, we need to see more of this. And I really thought, you know, that would be um, just the beginning of a, a lot of fights in Ireland. But of course, as we know, it turned out to be my only one. Yeah, and and and, but still, a, a pivotal moment for you because I suppose at this stage, and you know, subsequently the events that happened afterwards, and and going to the UK and that kind of thing. I mean, I suppose that was probably for you the realization. Okay, I really have to leave here now. I, if I'm serious about this, I got to go to the states. Uh, yes, I mean I, that was kind of always uh, on my mind. I was hoping that's not the route I'd have to take. You know, I really hoped it would take off in in Ireland and England and Europe, and I could stay home and just fight from home. But um, yeah, it became pretty obvious. And my coach Pat McCormick told me, you know, if you want a career in boxing, you're going to have to leave, and that was pretty heartbreaking. And I didn't want to leave my coach either because. Uh, you know, he really stuck his neck out for me. And um, so it was tough. It was really tough leaving home. It was hard enough leaving Drogheda, but then leaving Ireland was really heartbreaking. I could imagine, you know, stepping onto the plane and and, and, and setting off for this new future, not knowing what was ahead and, and leaving everything behind. Absolutely. So when you did arrive in, in the States, though, it, like, I mean, it wasn't like it was the amazing land of opportunity for you straight away. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of struggles. Let's not sugarcoat this, like, you know. Yeah. Oh, I know. I mean, I just remembered, I'll never forget stepping in the boxing gym and I'll put the boxing gym in quotation marks. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've been, the, the Drogheda Boxing Club was was a great club, uh, you know, still very kind of authentic boxing club. So was St. Saviour's in Dublin. So I kind of expected something pretty impressive, you know. 
Well, it turned out to be nothing more than a converted chicken shed. And um, I I just remember uh, choking back tears and swallowing a lump in my throat as hard as I could the first time I saw where I'd be training. Uh, I could talk about completely bursting that bubble and talk to me about Bo, because like we we alluded to earlier on in, in, in the Clint Eastwood movie, Bo didn't know what to make of you when, when you arrived at his front door, did he? No, no, he only took me on as a favor to a friend in England. Uh, that's the only reason. And Bo was very loyal to his friends and he always believed in returning favors. So he was only returning a favor. And uh, the first day he put me in sparring with Kenny Feist, who went on to become world champion. And Kenny put a real beating on me. And, you know, Bo wanted to see if I'd quit. If I, you know, he just thought, well, she's not going to be able to handle the heat, the training, what we're going to put her through. And she'll be back on the plane to Ireland in no time. And he just wanted to kind of get it over with. And like Hilary Swank in the story, you came back the next day, Bet, did you? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I came back and uh, another fella got in the ring after I was absolutely exhausted and really put a beating on me. So I came back after a couple of days rest and I returned the favor. Oh, of course you did, Deirdre. Absolutely brilliant. And, <laughs> and you know, the the then, of course, and now I should say as well, um, I mean, the relationship with Bo could not be any more stronger. I mean, you know, he, you not only did he become your coach, but your champion, as you said, you know, he, he was always promoting you and, and you became so, so close. Yes, he, uh, he turned out to be my greatest advocate. And, you know, once he realized just how determined I was and I had no quit in me and there was nothing was going to stop me, he got 100% behind me and, we went, we traveled all over the country and fought world titles, fought in Vegas three times. So it, it turned out to be a great partnership. It really did. And and talk to me about the, the, the first time, though, uh, in Vegas against Christy Martin, because like, I mean, this was the now infamous match uh, between you guys. Like you had 10 days notice to prepare. Who told you the news? Was it Bo who told you the news about the potential fight? And, and how did you react to this? Yeah. Yes, I remember he called me. I was already uh, in bed asleep. I think it was 10, 1030 at night. And he's very, very short phone call. He said that yeah, they're offering you Christy Martin on the Tyson card. And I knew the Tyson card was the following week. And I just said, OK, and that's how we did it. He never would tell me, you know, how much, what the weight was, because I he knew I didn't care. I just wanted to know I was fighting. I never asked how much I was going to be paid or what weight. The other, you know, what weight class we were fighting in. I just wanted to fight. And, you know, when you're getting ready to take to the ring, so you've you've put all the, the training in and, you know, you're, you're heading into an arena of that size on a fight night that is so huge. There's so much anticipation for it. You're the only female card on, on the night. How did you feel like what's going through your mind as you are walking down and taking into the ring? Do you remember? Well, I do remember the the most thing on my mind, of course, was my opponent because I knew I had a a big, very strong, very uh, seasoned opponent. So my mind was on Christy Martin and how I was going to handle and defeat Christy Martin. So um, when, uh, sorry about that. Um, So when, um, 
we were going into the arena. There was a big, big crowd and they started booing us. And I really didn't oh. anticipate that we'd be booed. <laughs> yeah. So um, it wasn't a very welcome uh, walk into the arena. You know, the crowd are like, oh, come on, you know, get this on with. We want to see Tyson, you know, now we got to watch girls. So, um, but, uh, you know, it wasn't very long into the first round where the total, the total uh, shift in the crowd, just you could feel them going from kind of quiet to wait a minute we've got a real fight here and then being totally engrossed by it and, and obviously you didn't get psyched out by it because my god you really gave it to her that 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 is for sure um and not only did both oh. of you <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but but not only did both of you want to win was there a sense that you had both of you so much to prove because as you rightly point out this is a completely chauvinistic crowd um, yeah, I mean, we definitely have a lot to prove, but I think, you know, I can't speak for Christy, but I know for me, I mean, I was not worried about once we started fighting, the crowd would realize we're real fighters. And, you know, I think Christy knew too. I mean, we both knew women could fight. It was no surprise to us, but apparently it was a big surprise to most of the people watching. Um, so, you know, I look back on it and of course I look at the way I, I fought and I wish I'd done this and wish I'd done that. So it's hard for me to watch it. Very hard for me to watch it. But I am very grateful that it was the fight that people got to see for the very first time, many of them, and could see that women really could fight. Yeah, and I think that's what the that's what it's going to be remembered for for so many years to come. And I know, you know, it is it is hard. Uh, it's not easy losing and, um, you know, particularly on such a huge stage. I can completely understand that. But March 2nd, 1997, 10 years almost to the day after walking into a boxing club in Mornington, you became world uh, featherweight champion. Did it feel like everything you dreamed of, you know, so much sacrifice, so many challenges, highs and lows that gotten you to that stage? Oh, definitely. The belt to me was the um, affirmation of everything I'd done. I just felt, you know, if I didn't get that belt, it it, it would kind of show that Maybe people were right that I shouldn't have boxed. You know, to me, it was everything to get that belt. So in the end, when I got it, it was as much relief as anything else. And, you know, I, I look at the photographs, you know, of that moment. And I look at the the home coming back to Ireland with you, with your mother and, and the belt. And I mean, the face of pride, you know, says it all. And I know that that's the ultimate goal. Like you say, that that's what you wanted. But it must have been so tough because, I mean, again, you were dealt another blow because you were dealing with people that didn't have your, your best interests at heart in terms of the promoter, Deirdre. Right. Yeah, we didn't get paid a penny for that fight. It was supposed to be the biggest fight uh, purse of my career. And I had um, quit my job two weeks before in anticipation of this decent purse to kind of keep me going. And maybe I could actually train full time. It was always my dream to be able to be a full time boxer. And I didn't get paid. So it really put me in a financial bind. I had to go back to work. So, yeah, it was, um, you know, it was one step forward, two back a lot at the time. But at the end of the day. I won the world title and that's what ultimately mattered. And re nobody really cares how you get there. It's all about having the title. 
It is, and nobody can take that away from you. Ab- absolutely. And soon after that, you get a letter from a little girl in Bray. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which what? I still have to this day. And I, I treasure that letter because it says so much. You oh, know what really we know does. now? It says so much. It really does. And I remember Kieran MacGyver, the wonderful Kieran MacGyver, who uh, ha- has been spearheading the, the, this campaign, this this committee. He gave me a printout of it. And I remember just even holding the printout going, I'm holding a piece of history here. Like this is just, it gave me goosebumps. It really, really did. And, you know, what is it like now to see all of the achievements that this little girl, Katie Taylor, we should say, uh, who wrote to you, you know, she's, she wrote so passionately and she's gotten that passion all the way and she's achieved huge, huge momentous things. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's not surprising though. It's amazing, but not surprising. You know, I knew you know, I could tell from a very young age, you know, she had the drive and the passion. You know, I just didn't know if um, she'd be able to keep sticking through it because she went through her hard times yeah. of not being able to get matches and stuff. And I just remember thinking, I hope she can persevere and, and get to the point where she will be able to fight regularly because she could have just easily done any other sports. She was such a great athlete. Oh, so I'm very grateful she stuck with boxing and look what she's done with it now. I mean, she's proven to everybody the sky's the limit. So, you know, as I I inspired her and she's going to inspire further uh, Irish athletes. So it's all um, it all continues forward and it all builds on itself. And it's great to see. It's great to witness it. It really is. And you're coming home. You're going to be home really soon. And you're going to be ringside. I know Katie is going to have to go up a weight. Uh, you know, if you, there's a lot of things that she's challenges for the, for this fight. If you do get the chance to see her beforehand, what words of advice would you like to whisper to her before she, she, she goes into that ring? I just. I know she knows what to do, so I wouldn't give her much advice other than enjoy the moment because it is a momentous moment. It's a great moment in Irish history, and um, it's a lot of pressure. You know, that's a lot of pressure on her, but I'm sure she's able to um, handle any pressure and enjoy the moment because it really is special. And before Katie's fight, you're coming to Drogheda uh, for a really important homecoming. We are so excited for you to be home. It's going to be amazing. Uh, you're going to be sharing your story yeah, uh, to, the, to the town. You're going to be sharing your story to the town who, you know, tragically, Deirdre, like me until very, very recently, I'm so ashamed to say, but I'm going to say it because it's important. I did not know your story. And now where it is getting out, uh, you're ready to, to share this story and make sure everybody knows all about your life. I am very excited about it. And Kieran McIver is my new beau. You know, he's got this um, passion for my story and telling my story. And I need that because I'm not one for, to push myself out there and in, in people's faces. So, but I am delighted to be coming home and kind of get a chance to remind people of, you know, how, what Drogheda, the role it played in my life and career and how I was inspired to go forward and do something great. So I'm really excited about coming back. 
And we are so excited to have you uh, back. And, you know, work has started, as you know, and the statue. I've seen a couple of sneak peek uh, images here and there of, of this. It's going to be erected in a place everybody will be able to see. This must be really proud moment for you. I mean, when Kieran came to you with this idea, did you think that we'd get to even this stage of it? Well, not while I was alive, for sure. <laughs> um <laughs> I always, I always hoped to be um, up there with the other great sporting heroes that draw it. I just didn't know if I somehow would slip through the cracks, but some miracle brought Kieran McIver along and he's um, spearheaded this whole thing. And um, I'm deeply grateful for all of it. Oh, and I, I just keep seeing the unveiling in my head. That's what's keeping me forward. It really is in, in all of this. But when you come home, when you touch uh, Irish soil, because I know you haven't been home in such a long time and you're going to see like so many changes in the town. But is there anything that you would you can't wait to do? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, I can't wait to see it. See everybody. You know, it's so many people I haven't seen in so long. And um just the feel of the town, you know, my greatest, the, some of the most exciting and memorable moments in my life were in Drogheda, you know, starting out in the Drogheda Boxing Club and, you know, this whole future ahead of me and what it would be like and what I might accomplish. It all started there, just even cycling through the town. I uh, love to reminisce on these old moments. So I'm really looking forward to that. And it's really ironic. I spent so many years going through the bull ring in Drogheda and those two great sporting heroes are right there sitting at the, well, the bull ring. Well, the older generation knows what I'm talking about. Oh, we do. They people now Scott Hall. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So to think I might go along there beside them in that space, uh, it's pretty uh, astounding. Oh, well, you know, we just cannot wait for you to come home. I can't wait to meet you in person. And I have to say, it's been such a pleasure for me to work alongside Kieran to, to make this dream become a reality. And I've no doubt we will do it. Deirdre, I wish you all the best, safe travels. And uh, thank you so, so much for taking out the time to chat to us today. Oh, brilliant. Uh, thank you so much. And I can't wait.